0: Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney is continuing the series, Church Was Never Like This, with a message titled, Full Life in Christ. Join us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. challenge you today um, with some really good things. I want to draw the truth out of the text just like we always do. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 1, that's where we're going to be today. There's some things that I think that the Lord has been um, working on me with, challenging me with, and putting on my heart. And so today, uh, we're going to kind of journey through that. I got to tell you that whenever the Lord does that, I, I, I get emotional sometimes. I get... Um, when the Lord is working on me, then um, it always spills out in my teaching and the way that I communicate. I think that's by God's design. I'm perfectly happy to do that. But in um, quite honestly, in full transparency, this is one of those messages where um, I feel like I'm preaching to myself. Where as I draw the truth out of the text and I, and I say... Or I ask these questions, what does this have to do with me? It has a lot to do with me. (laughs) It's uh, the Lord working on me just as much as anybody. Um, I have said that over this last year and a half, I've said, I'm going, I'm determined to be more bold and more consistent when um, teaching regarding giving and generosity. And I have made a commitment to do it more often. It definitely um, is not something easy to do. I, d- I would not say it comes natural to me. What comes natural to me is to be pretty fearless about doing that, but it doesn't mean that I like it. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I necessarily enjoy it because it's always, I feel like the Lord is always working on me at the same time. But I, I think that that is good and that's right. Um, and so today it's. Uh, through a lot of wrestling, I think that the Lord has something to say to us. In particular, though, I want to um, make sure that you understand and know that um, I, feel, I feel it necessary to say, even though I don't want to, I think I should tell you that um, the church is, uh, Vail Christian Church is pretty vulnerable right now. I don't think we're unlike a lot of churches or most churches throughout our nation, Churches are pretty in, in a pretty vulnerable position, especially regarding giving. We're in this position because of the sort of economy, the state of our economy. The first place people pull back. Um, a lot of times when you are um, struggling yourself financially, a lot of times is um, in your giving and we become a little inconsistent. And um, as hard as it is for me to say, as much as I kind of hesitate sometimes to say these things, uh, our brand new fiscal year as a church, our fiscal year begins July 1st. And we've already come through this month in July, and it's been the toughest month we've had in an awful long time. And we've kind of fallen behind. And I just, I just, I hate to say it. So um, I think this is timely. And I think that the Lord's in the middle of this. I didn't plan um, to just, I didn't plan this message um, at the last minute. I planned to talk through this or to teach through this a long time ago. So it's, I think it's timely. And I think it's a God thing that we talk about giving today. But um, I I, want to, I want to do it in maybe a, through a perspective you may not be um, thinking I might come from today. So this morning, I I have full disclosure. I'm praying that you would be moved, that the Vail Christian Church would be moved to a deeper and a more intense passion for the Lord, first off. A more deeper and a more intense passion for the Lord. And in particular, I want to talk about contentment, and satisfaction. These two things are, I believe, the way biblical joy is described. The word joy is a, is a word that's misunderstood, and I'm going to use that word a lot this morning. But I think that the words satisfaction and contentment are interchangeable words regarding joy. Joy, satisfaction, and contentment all can be used interchangeably as um, the way the Bible, by and large, uses the word joy. A lot of times we use the word happiness to describe joy, and I think it's very inaccurate. I think happiness is a byproduct of pure joy or pure satisfaction and contentment. So I want you to keep that in mind as I'm kind of talking today because what i'm what I'm really want to uh, speak to you about is i I don't want you to drift away from full deep life in Christ because of things like cancer. I don't want you to drift away from a full content and satisfying relationship with the Lord because of depression or because of bankruptcy or because of divorce or because of wayward children or because of a virus, COVID-19. I want to motivate your understanding of being completely satisfied and content in the Lord so that you will be full because I believe that that's what God wants. He wants you to be full. So his value and his worth would radiate more brilliantly in your life. That's what he wants. But a radical way of living and living out full life in Christ is what is going to be required that cannot, I cannot change that. Most people have no idea really how radical God intends us actually as Christ followers to live. So you could see this morning that what I want to do is I want to try to convince you to live in a radical way, most definitely, full disclosure. I'm going to try my best by drawing the truth out of the text to challenge you, to motivate you to live in a radical way. Now, when talking about satisfaction and contentment, the reason why I struggle with it, is because i'm right on that edge i may be a perfectionist <laughs> okay i've been described that i'm not quite sure i'm a pure perfectionist but i am so close it's it's hard to distinguish a lot of times and so i feel like i'm rarely i'm rarely satisfied and content okay And that's why I struggle maybe the most with this and why it's so difficult for me to maybe address this issue. Because I feel like I'm just, like I said, preaching to myself. But I don't know any way better to deepen and intensify your satisfaction and contentment and passion for the Lord than to show you from His Word that real life in Christ is stunningly first class. It is truly first class. Have you ever flown first class? If you haven't had the privilege of flying first class, what I would say is it is truly amazing, but I don't recommend it because once you do, you will be completely (laughs) dissatisfied with coach. It's really kind of sad. I've only flown first class a few times and uh, the basic reason is it's about three times more expensive than flying coach. And so there's been a few times when I've been upgraded or I've been able to utilize the, the miles or the, you know the points. Or I've been gifted a first-class ticket and wow. It's amazing when you arrive at your destination, you just feel different. And then when you return from after being you know, wherever you are and you return, it's even better. You, you feel like you don't need a vacation for the vacation nearly as much. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how you get treated in first class. You actually get acknowledged and treated totally different on purpose. And you feel so awesome as people are walking by going to the coach part of the plane, you feel like, you feel full. You feel like, I deserve it. Especially when they hand you some little towel to wipe off your hands or hand you a a drink of some kind and is there anything I can get you and just let me know I'm here to serve you. It just feels so good just feels so good. But what I want to get at today, I think, it, that's just a that's just a sliver. That's just a sliver. I believe that God wants you to feel like that actually in your life all the time. So let's talk about, right off the bat, let's talk about striving for satisfaction and contentment because that is what God wants. He wants us to strive for satisfaction and contentment. So as I unpack that, first, I want to give you a summary of what I believe is a full life in Christ, okay? What is a summary of full life in Christ? It is truly satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, both in quality and in enduring indestructibility. I'm using the most creative words that I can possibly muster. There they are. Satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, all right? That's full life in Christ, is both satisfaction in quality and enduring indestructibility. It lasts, it's, nothing can destroy it. That's what the Lord wants for every Christ follower. And that's what He, he wants you to strive for, that's what He intends. He wants you to be fully satisfied and content and full of joy. The greatest and foremost satisfaction and contentment is found not just in His gifts, and God has many gifts, He's given us all kinds of gifts and amazing things. But it's actually all about the Lord Himself. That's what He wants us to be satisfied in the Lord Himself. So, full life in Christ promises that the greatest quality and the most enduring satisfaction and contentment is found only actually in the Lord, only in Him. Not just in His gifts, but in God Himself, because He is superior, because He is magnificent, because He is incomparable in value and worth. In Him is where every person should strive for ultimate satisfaction and contentment. Every Christ follower should strive and struggle, and wrestle towards, and, dr- and be driven towards satisfaction and contentment. Now, let's just take a sketch through a few things. I'm going to put up a whole bunch of verses, and I want you to just see how this is laid out in God's Word. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, Paul says, I say rejoice. This is a command, not a suggestion. A command, not a suggestion. Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4 says, "'Trust in the Lord and do what is right. "'Then you will take delight in the Lord "'and He will answer your prayers.'" Psalm 32, 11 says, "'Rejoice in the Lord and be happy.'" There's the product of joy, happiness. You who are godly, shout for joy, all you who are morally upright. Psalm 90:14 says, Satisfy us in the morning with your loyal love, then we will shout for joy and be happy all our days. This is really the first and great command that's laid out in scriptures. Love the Lord. It's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. That's the command. Trust the Lord, delight in the Lord, enjoy the Lord. Be satisfied in the greatest and most magnificent beauty and treasure and value in the universe. Rejoice in the Lord. Love the Lord. This is the satisfaction and and contentment that God demands for us to strive for. He demands that we strive for this. And we have to take this serious because this is radical living And it is, in fact, the greatest and the most enduring and indestructible satisfaction that you can have. So many things do not last, including flying first class. It does not last. In fact, I was really disappointed recently because I got upgraded to a first class ticket on a plane flight just to few months ago, and Delta Airlines was the airline that I was flying, and when I got on the plane, they had done this thing where they only only filled the plane up with half the people, so every other seat was empty, so guess what was just like the first class seat? All the coach seats, you could just spread out. And you were like all... So, it, so I was pretty disappointed because my seat was no different than anybody else's seat. See, it, it was just easily that, that little content thing was easily destroyed and it didn't last. But that's not so with God. I love Psalm 1611. I'm going to talk about this one verse quite a bit. Look at the psalmist, how he writes and how he thinks and what is laid out here. Psalm 1611, you lead me in the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. I experience absolute contentment and satisfaction in your presence is what he claims. He says, you always give me sheer delight. It's guaranteed by God, always. You can't offer me, this is what he's saying, you cannot offer me anything better than what Christ provides and what God provides and what the Lord provides. You can't offer me anything better. That's the zenith of satisfaction is God's presence. God created created us to enjoy the fullness and endlessness of being satisfied. That's what he created us to be. He wants that for everyone. That is his intention from the very beginning. You lead me in the path of life, see? I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. And that is what Jesus died to restore. Jesus died to restore all this because we've lost it through sin by preferring other things to God. And I often drift now, even though I know this and I've claimed Jesus as Lord and I've sworn allegiance to Jesus, I still drift and I prefer other things to God all the time. Do you do that? God created us to enjoy the fullest and endlessness of being satisfied. But you see, You've got to acknowledge, and you have to understand that we're not worthy. None of us are worthy, right? So full life in Christ declares that none of us deserves to be content. Being satisfied and content, contentment is not the natural state for guilty, sinful people who are far from God, and we are all guilty and all sinful. We deserve destruction, not absolute joy, not sheer delight. But God in His great mercy sent His Son into the world, Isaiah 53, 6 declares, it says, "In the Lord caused the sin of all of us to attack him." That's Jesus. "...by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and concerning sin, he condemned sin in our flesh." It's Romans eight eight three. Whose sin did God condemn in the flesh? Ours. Jesus had no sin. Whose flesh was our sin condemned in? His, not ours. We are spared forever, Acts 10, uh, 43. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness, forgiveness of sins through his name. But forgiveness is not the ultimate goal. Did you know that? It's actually pretty practical when you think about it. Forgiveness is not the ultimate goal of the gospel. Forgiveness is always a vehicle to something greater think this through a minute. If you sin against your spouse, your husband or your wife, if you sin against them, if you do something wrong, if you wound them, if you hurt them with your words, you need forgiveness. Why do you need forgiveness? You don't need forgiveness as an end of itself. You want forgiveness because you want them. You want them, the enjoyment of their presence without the icy barrier of offense, right? Linda and I got in a fuss yesterday. I don't. I think Satan goes after me pretty hard on Saturday. And it was over the dumbest thing. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but let me just give you an example of how dumb it is. There is this thing. She drives this little Jeep. And there is an emergency brake on the Jeep. And it's one of those you pull up with a handle and it's got a button. You pull it up and in order to release it, you click the button and you put it down. You know that? Okay, so she had taken her Jeep in to get it a recall thing done. And they had to take out that whole console in the middle. And that emergency brake thing, I don't know, it was under there. I don't even know what a recall was. I really don't know. She took it in and she came back with the Jeep. And that, that there's a, it's called a boot. It's all around that little handle. It was all tore up really bad. So I said, what happened? She said, the Jeep people did it. And I'm like, well, did you say anything? Did you, you know? And then we we got in a fuss over that boot that goes over that. That's all it was. I mean, literally, it was that thing. It's replaced and everything. I cannot believe we're fussing over that. total, Total mess. Forgiveness is always the vehicle to something greater. Being satisfied in the greatest beauty and the greatest treasure in the universe is what We need right here. And so with the Lord, if we are truly reborn and we are truly made new, our sins are forgiven through Jesus. Forgiveness is not our goal. The Lord is our goal. The Lord's our goal. His presence without the barrier of sin and wrongdoing. That's why we need Jesus. Forgiveness is valuable because it removes barriers to the Lord. Because Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, to bring you into his presence. Right? First Peter 3.18, Psalm 16.11, you lead me in the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. That's the goal of the gospel. So full life in Christ, full life in Jesus declares that God made us to enjoy full and enduring satisfaction and contentment, and he sent his son to restore that satisfaction to people who don't deserve it. I'm not, um, right at the top of the list, chief of who doesn't deserve it. So he promises that this satisfaction and contentment is found only in the magnificent value of God through Jesus. Through Jesus. Really important to lay that foundation. So let's talk about how then satisfaction is not optional. You must think like this. It's not optional. Full life in, de- in Christ declares two very unmistakable things. Two things. It says if you abandon striving for satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, number one, you'll not be able to glorify God from your heart. Number one at the top of the list. What? Yes. Yes. If you stop or abandon or disregard striving for satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, in the Lord, you're not going to be able to glorify God from your heart. You're not going to be able to showcase who God is from your heart. You will not be able to exalt God from your heart. And number two, you're not going to be able to love people. Now, what? Yes. Let me show you. Let me, let me say it positively. Satisfaction in the Lord is vital to glorifying God and loving people. Or to bring it front and center in today and in really my motive that I've tried to be to disclose, the context today, giving and giving generously. If you don't strive to find your satisfaction in the Lord through Christ, you will not be able to be generous with your resources from a heart that glorifies God and loves people. You won't be able to do it. This is why, if you notice, if you observe mature Christ followers, they're so serious about satisfaction and contentment. Without the Lord being our most valued thing in the world, our hearts do not exalt or glorify God, and they don't have the power or the substance, actually, to truly love people the way God loves people. Whatever kind of generosity we can muster, if God's not our satisfaction, He's not going to be exalted or glorified. No matter how much good stuff people get from our generosity, God will not view it as an act of love from our hearts. That's radical thinking. It cannot be just this box that you check to alleviate guilt and to do good stuff. It's got to be for different reasons. Why is satisfaction in the Lord so vital to exalting and glorifying God, to showcasing the essence of who the Lord is? Because it is entirely our in our being satisfied in Him that actually does the showcasing. Why is satisfaction in God... So vital to loving people because people are are most loved by us when our satisfaction in God spills out in generosity, bringing them into satisfaction. This is why it's so important. Like you'll hear me say, I've said this pretty often, we need to be people that live out our mission and our mandate in such a way that people want what we've got. An irresistible something that's hard to describe. Because it just spills out of us. Especially when it spills out of us in spite of struggle and hurt and difficulty, adversity, even suffering. Jesus has got to be showcased. That's the fourth point here. Now I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1 and let's look at verses 20 through 23. Philippians 1, 20 through 23. Paul says my confident hope is that I will no longer be ashamed, but that with complete boldness, even now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or die. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean productive work for me, and I don't know which I prefer. I feel torn between the two because I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Now, I've read this a lot. This seems really difficult thing to strive after. Let's just talk about it a minute. Because Paul says that his confident hope is that, he says, I, I don't in any way want to be ashamed But with complete boldness, even now as always, in the now and always, I want Christ to be exalted in my body, whether I live or die. So how do we magnify, how do we exalt, or how do we glorify Christ, the Lord? How do we showcase who the Lord is? How do we showcase who the Lord and make him look glorious? How do we make him look magnificent? He shows us, Paul shows us. Remember... Jesus died to restore our fullest and enduring indestructible satisfaction and contentment in God. So let's talk about this life or death stuff that Paul says, in life and death. Paul tells us in an amazing sentence how he does it. He tells us. I want you to notice the connection between verse 20 and 21. You have to look at it for yourself. Here's verse 20. He says, my confident hope, is that I will in no way be ashamed, but that with complete boldness, even now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether I live or die. That's verse 20. Then verse 21 begins with this word for. It's like saying because, all right? Which means he's going to now explain the principle that Christ will be exalted in his body in life and death. He's going to explain it. So here's what he says. Here's how he, he explains it. For me, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. This can prove to be one of the most important sentences in your life for understanding how to showcase and exalt Christ, but it is really difficult and it's radical. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. In verse 20, Christ is going to be exalted by life or death. In verse 21, he says, This is going to happen because living is Christ. And dying is gain. To see the implication of that principle and that reasoning, think about death for a minute. We don't like to talk about death. We don't even like to go to the hospital because that's where you die, it seems. Verse 20, Christ is going to be showcased or exalted by my death. Verse 21, because for me, dying is gain. Christ is exalted by in, in my death because... I experience death as gain. Why does he experience death as gain? Now you got to go down to verse 23. Verse 23 tells us, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And that's where it gets radical. Is Christ better than anything in your life? Do you understand that? Do you know that? Death is gain because I get more of Jesus, he says. I know Christ is here in this life, but it cannot compare to what I will see and what I will experience when I die. When I die, I will be with Jesus in a whole new way, and that will be far better. This means that Christ is showcased and exalted in my death because Christ satisfies me so fully in death that in spite of all I lose by dying... I experience death as gain. I get more of Jesus. I get more of Jesus. So what this passage is telling us, what Paul is teaching us through these people, the the Philippians, in verses 20 through 23, Christ, God in the flesh, Jesus is showcased and exalted in us when we are satisfied and content in him especially at the time of our greatest loss, the time of death, the time of death. If you want to exalt and glorify the Lord, deepen and intensify your passion for Him so that He completely satisfies in struggles of life and death. When I get to visit people in the hospital, there's always two kinds of people. There are people that are not worried about anything. And there's, it's so, it's actually, it sounds kind of crazy. It's actually kind of fun to be around them. They're the sweetest people. They're just, everybody loves them. they're oozing satisfaction and contentment. And then there are people that are scary to be around. They are full of fear and they don't want to die And they're really actually difficult to be around. They're hard to be around. They're ornery and they're cranky. Let's look at um, the next point. This point about generosity spilling out to satisfaction. See, the other question we want to answer is, why is satisfaction and contentment in the Lord essential or vital to loving people? Because... People are 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 really loved by us when our satisfaction and contentment in the Lord spills out in generosity in order to bring them into our contentment, especially when it spills out of in spite of struggles. Look at Second Corinthians chapter eight, just two verses. Second Corinthians chapter eight, the first two verses. And then I'm going to skip down to verse eight. I'll just tell you that. But in this scene. In this place, Paul has seen a great outpouring of generosity in the churches of Macedonia. We went through this as a church. We went through the book of or the letter to the church in Colossae, the Colossians, right? In the north, uh, so so now we're in this region, and this outpouring of generosity in the churches of Macedonia is in uh, is in the north of Greece for the poor Christ followers in Jerusalem. That's what's going to happen here. So now Paul's writing to Corinth in the southern part of Greece to inspire them with the example of the Macedonians so that they too would be generous. And in verse 8, Paul calls the Macedonian way of generosity a demonstration of love. And that's the issue that that I want to talk about today. What is love? How does love for people connect to satisfaction and contentment in the Lord. How is this related to giving and generosity and giving gener- generously? Let's just read the two verses first. Second Corinthians 8, 1 and 2 says, Now we make known to you, brothers and sisters, the grace of God given to the churches of Macedonia. Verse 2, that during a severe ordeal of suffering... Listen to those words, a severe ordeal of suffering. Their abundant joy, remember joy, same thing as saying satisfaction and contentment. Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. This is actually, in my view, stunning. Every time I read this, it makes me want to be like this. It makes me want to get on my knees and confess. That's my sin because I fall so short of being like this. It's stunning. Because true satisfaction and contentment, joy in God, joy in the Lord is essential to glorifying God and loving people. Point. Number seven, when you talk about grace and joy and abundance, because that's what's happened here, look at verse one. The grace of God had been poured out on the churches of Macedonia. It had been poured out on these people. You can read about it in the book of Acts, in the city of Philippi. We can read about it in the letter to the Philippians. God had saved these people by his grace. Has he saved you by his grace? He had forgiven all of their sins and united them to Christ, giving them hope of eternal life, not cross your fingers hope, real truth, it's going to happen, it is happening, it did happen, brought them into relationship with a living God, and here's the result, verse 2, during a severe ordeal of suffering, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of their generosity... So you got just four kind of things right here, right? Their abundant joy, the overflow of that joy in a wealth of generosity during a severe uh, ordeal of suffering and extreme poverty. All of this is so important to see and to catch. Here's a group of people who have tasted the grace of God so deeply that their joy is described as spilling out in abundance. This abundance of joy is flourishing. It's thriving during a severe, a severe ordeal of suffering. And this abundance of joy is flourishing while being in extreme poverty. Have you experienced extreme poverty? Most of us have not. I took a trip to India a long time ago. And I visited this city um, in Bombay. I was with a, another Indian pastor and his brother. And I was doing some ministry with Youth for Christ. And um, they came to me and they said, hey, we want, we want to go to this slum in Bombay. And I said, okay. There's an orphanage there built in the slum. Basically, has millions of people, millions of people living in this slum. The slum is basically the garbage or the, you know, we would call it the dump or the landfill in Tucson. And so what is happening in Bombay, millions of people, I don't know, several, I, I don't know, it's, it's like 13 million people in the city of Bombay. It's crazy how many people make up that city, produce a lot of garbage, and then there's about, there's well over a million people living off the garbage of all the other millions. Does that make sense? That's the slum. That's the place of visit. It's, a, it's, 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 it's not anything I've ever experienced. I mean, the the haze that just is produced from all that garbage. And that's severe poverty. These people, Paul says, are living in severe poverty. I mean, they got nothing. They got nothing. A severe ordeal of suffering and extreme poverty, right? Right? And this abundance of joy is flourishing while being in this extreme poverty. Why is that important? It's important because it shows that their joy isn't built, their contentment, their satisfaction isn't, isn't built on, doesn't rest on prosperity or safety. It's not built on any of that. They had not escaped from poverty. They're in the middle of poverty, extreme poverty. They'd not been delivered from struggles and adversity and difficulty and suffering and affliction and all those things. No, the poverty is still extreme and the problems are still severe. And their joy is not in the Lord's material gifts. It's actually in the Lord. That's what brings me to my knees and makes me go, oh, my gosh. Fall pretty short in all of this because I measure real wealth and real, and success wrong most of the time. Pastor Ben, I did not sign up for suffering, struggles, and poverty. I gave my life to Christ for protection, and prosperity, and security. Right. See, what made full life in Christ for the Macedonians real, what, what, what made it real? The answer is their satisfaction and contentment was in the Lord himself, not in the stuff and the things. The gospel of grace had removed every barrier between them and God. Jesus Christ had taken away their sins and saved them from hell and brought them into the presence of God and promised them full and everlasting True contentment and satisfaction. Joy. They knew the friendship of God. They saw the unbelievable, magnificent beauty of His holiness and love. So their satisfaction and contentment was not in freedom from struggle or even severe struggle and hurt. These were people that weren't saying, I got rights. We weren't talking like that at all. It wasn't in their freedom from poverty. It was not in comfort and earthly security. None of these things. It was in the Lord. And it was, Paul says, abundant. That means it was spilling out everywhere. And in verse 8, Paul calls this love. The love of Christ followers. Not love from the world, but love as the Lord defines it god kind of love unconditional no if ands or buts kind of love it just spilled out all over these people or from these people onto everybody else and drew these drew other people in it was contagious contagious what does this have to do with me if love is the spilling out of satisfaction in the lord that meets the needs of others especially when it's costly Love is the generator of satisfaction in the Lord, spilling out towards others and drawing them in no matter what it costs, no matter what it costs. You see, that's, I told you it's going to be radical, but that's life, full life in Christ. It's radical. So, number one, are you experiencing real satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, full in Christ? Are you experiencing that? Maybe you've drifted. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard that you could be fully satisfied and that God wants this for you. Or maybe you've just drifted. If you're like me, i got to get on my knees every single day because I am battling right here. This is where I battle. I don't know where you battle, but, man, this is it for me. And I can drift really easily because I like the comforts and the security. I like it. And it gets in the way to where I think so many times I like it more. And it becomes this barrier between me and the Lord. And i got to get rid of it. And it's a daily battle that I have to go to my knees about. How about this? Here's another way to measure what does this have to do with me. Are you meeting the needs of other people? Because being a Christ follower is actually all about being others-minded. Is your life characterized, or third, characterized by the obstacles of seeking earthly comforts and security or in the satisfying wealth of the Lord? If you're content, then I think you're putting your, 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 your eggs, so to speak, in the basket of earthly comfort and security, and that's like me a lot of times. And last, is God kind of love spilling out of your life towards others, drawing them into the Lord? no matter the cost. Will you bow your head with me just a minute because I'm praying today. I want to pray for you. As your head's bowed before God, I'm praying that the Lord will deepen and intensify your satisfaction and contentment in Him. Do you want that? I'm praying that the Lord will do that. Would you pray that as well? Lord, cause us to grow deeper, in, in, in particular, in an intense way. And to strive for satisfaction and contentment in you, Lord God. This morning, I'm praying that God would remove every obstacle through the gospel of Christ and make himself your satisfying, valuable wealth. What are the obstacles in your life? Can you spit those things out right now? Can you confess those things right now to the Lord? That's what he wants. Lord, there's so much that gets in the way and we drift and we hunker down with our stuff and our things. Lord, remove those obstacles. Lord God, it's our prayer today that you would be showcased, that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified in our lives and in our deaths. And so much so that, Lord God, we want you to spill out in our lives, spill out, We want our lives to spill over in generosity from a heart of authentic love. We want to be like the Macedonians. Teach us to be like the Macedonians. Stretch us and cause us to grow in this fashion. And we will be careful, God. It is our desire to give you all the glory for that happening. We need your help in this, Lord. It is our heart's desire. Help us to strive now towards it. You demand that we strive towards it. We want to be obedient in that way. And we're praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Veil Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.valechristian.com.